Happy Sunday. Can you hear me? Happy Sunday. Happy Legacy Sunday. There's something in the air. I can feel it. Thank you, Chad. God, I thank you for the word that you've put in my heart today. God, I'm, I'm excited to deliver it. I ask that our hearts would be ready to receive it, that we would be moved to compassion, that we would walk in gratitude for what you've done at the Exchange Church and in our families and in our lives and our hearts. God, I ask the same spirit that has been in this room would stick around, that you would just minister to our hearts, that you would just minister to the very needs that, that are in this room, God, today is not, is not just trying to get a big offering. It's to transform the hearts and the lives of men and women and children. So God, I ask whether they're in the room or watching online, there's no distance with Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way. I know that you don't need our permission, but we are willing participants this morning to be totally broken before you. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say, Amen. Amen. I, I want to point back to a verse that I've been sharing over the last couple of weeks in this series, Thanks and Giving. And that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> Be joyful always. Rejoice always. Pray continu continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we have uh, some commands here that we need to pay attention to. We need to be joyful always. That's easy. Uh, pray continu continually. Uh, that's, that's easy. I think once you learn what God is really looking for here, he's not looking for you to be in your prayer closet 24 hours a day, but to have a 24-hour day connection with Holy Spirit and, and just talking to Jesus and letting Jesus talk to you. So I think that's probably the easier one um, to pray continually. That's one I've grown the most in in my time as a follower of Jesus. Uh, this next one I think is pretty difficult. Give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. We had a difficult night last night. Uh, we're babysitting our wonderful, wonderful niece and nephews. Um, and I'm thankful that they're here. <clears throat> but at 2 a.m., when one of them's crying because he, you know, misses mom and dad, and he's, he's a little kid, he should be allowed to cry. It was hard for me to give thanks. I did the best that I could by pretending to stay asleep while my wife took care of it. That was my sacrifice unto the Lord. It's hard to give thanks in all circumstances. Can I get a good amen from somebody? You know what the Bible says. You know what you should do. But then when those all circumstances happen, you're like, wait a minute. Does this really apply to this situation? Giving thanks in all circumstances means all it really does. I love how 
it's so funny how we can have a word like all, A-L-L, we don't need to go to the Greek or the Hebrew or the Webster's even to understand what's being said here, but we want to just take slices of what God is saying and just apply it to the beautiful seasons of our life, the beautiful parts of our life. But God says to give thanks in all circumstances. Does that include inflation? Does that include uh, supply chain issues when I couldn't get the pizza that I wanted for weeks and thankfully a member in the church hunted it down and got me two? Does that include social and political turbulence that our world has experienced over the last three years? All means all. Did you know that when the world gets darker, Jesus gets brighter? It is. We like to give God all the praise and all the glory when things are going well and everybody's getting along and everybody's got enough money in the bank and we've got enough food in the pantry. But when the world gets darker, Jesus and the church get brighter. So we get to give thanks in all circumstances because all circumstances are an opportunity for God to show up once again. 2022, 2021, 2020 didn't catch God by surprise. He didn't have to go to plan B at all. He, he wasn't sitting there in 2020 thinking, well, I need to figure out what I'm going to do now because things have gone crazy. God already knew it was coming. In fact, in 2010, in preparation for 2020, 2021, and 2022, in 2010, God began to raise up a church that would be positioned and prepared to respond to the world events we're currently seeing. A church that would be part of the healing for this generation. The Exchange Church. I, in 2020, I know myself, I don't know about you, but I wondered, okay, God, what are you doing? God reminded me I was created for such a time as this. He built this church for this time and this season when people all around us are losing their minds. That's why you're here. You through Jesus, or rather Jesus through you, is the hope of the world. Give thanks in all circumstances. For the past 12 years, God has used this body of believers, you. No matter how long you've been here, you've been a part of the journey God has used you for several things. I made a list of just some stones that I've carried with me along the way to create a memorial of what God has done. God has birthed a call into ministry in the hearts of young people and young adults in this church over the last 12 years. Through this house, God has loved on orphans in Haiti. In this house... And through this house, God has encouraged business leaders in Romania to pursue Jesus. We've been able to show women on Runberg Lane that there is a God that knows them, sees them, and values them beyond what their body can give. We've partnered with A21 Campaign that has a massive vision of ending slavery in the 21st century. We prayed for and encouraged local city leaders, school board officials, mayors, city developers, police chiefs, and emergency personnel. We've blessed teachers and administrators within the public school system, including the band, theater, and athletic programs. 
We've delivered food and meals to the sick and shut in. We've financially supported and physically supported multiple area food banks. We support an organization in Round Rock that assists families with rent and electric bills. We have faithfully helped struggling families get Christmas gifts. We have provided tents and sleeping sleeping bags and socks and shoes and hats and mittens to our homeless community. We've celebrated major life events like marriage or birth of children with many of you, and sometimes multiple children at once. Right, Marshall? And we've sat next to people who were grieving and mourning the loss of a loved one. Just this week, we were able to send some financial assistance to Sinny, our missionary in Haiti. He's our point of contact in Haiti, and currently it's almost impossible to get food in Haiti. From the word we're hearing is, if the food is available, it's extremely expensive. And then once they save enough money to go get food, there is no food to be had. So we're praying for Sinny, we're praying for his family, we're praying for all of the people in Haiti right now, but you... Because of you, we were able to send Cindy a love gift this week so that Cindy can have food on the table with his family. These are just a few of the highlights that came to my mind this week. And I don't know how to accurately measure the impact that this church family has tangibly had on the hearts of people, but I imagine only heaven knows. Because this list is mostly just addressing their physical needs. It's not even touching the surface of the spiritual needs that we've all been a part of together. The hundreds of salvations, water baptisms, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, restored marriages, renewed identities, people living in freedom, people set free from anxiety, from addiction, insecurity, anger, toxic shame. I have names for each of those to verify that it's true. We are a part of something big, church. We're a part of something bigger than Trey Rose is a part of, or Carrie Rose, or Dana Dinan, or Amber Wheeler. What we're a part of is bigger than any one of us individually. And I'm grateful to be planted here. I'm grateful for you. I'm sorry this is coming off as a speech. <laughs> um, I wrote it word for word because I felt the weight this week of the emotion that I would probably carry into this. When Carrie and I make a decision to give. It's, it's literally faith. It's not just looking at the bank account. That's what I do. I look at the bank account. She comes to me, and this is how it goes every year. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I continue this way. But she comes to me and says, hey, what are we going to give? Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Um, finally, you know, this week I told her, why don't you tell me first? Because I'm guessing that your number is bigger than my number. <laughs> and uh, she said, I think you're probably right. And um, I said, well, remember, I handle the finances, um, so let's, let's talk about it. And she goes, I'm inserting some faith. And I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> so we, we agreed, um, and Legacy Sunday is an opportunity for our family to give extravagantly not because it's about the money, not because the church needs the money, though it takes, it takes money to run a church. I mean, we could all just meet in my living room and it'd cost a lot less. 
uh, but we pay about 25000 a month in rent. We pay several thousand in electricity. Um, it, costs, it costs money to run an organization like this, more than I would have thought until I got on this side of the scenario and situation. Um, but it's not about the money. We're not trying to give today to, to raise a set number. If you were to ask me what is my goal, for us to raise today, I would tell you I honestly don't have one. I don't have an expectation on a number. I know what we've done throughout the year. I know that economically there, there are different seasons that we're in. Um, it's a different time of year. It's in December. Some of you have lost jobs this year. I, I just want the goal to be big faith. I want us to equally give big faith. Now to have a healthy perspective of Legacy Sunday, because I know that we're all thinking, we want to establish a legacy, we want to build something, we want to leave something for the future generations, and that's, that's true. I want to do that. I want my life to count for something. But we can't understand legacy until we get the fact of inheritance. The title of my sermon today, and I know I'm just getting to the title, but it's not a long sermon, so you don't need to worry The title of my sermon is Legacy Through Inheritance. If we're going to leave a legacy, we have to understand inheritance. Now, I have a question for you. How many here have ever heard of unclaimed funds? Yes? Okay. Any of you try to get your unclaimed funds? I have to. Wow. I am the third in a line of three Roberts, and it gets really difficult sometimes. And then I start looking for other people I might be related to because maybe there's a finder's fee involved. If you don't know what unclaimed money is, it's money that state or local or federal agencies have sitting aside, and it's earmarked with someone's name on it. So it it gets there for various reasons. Maybe you left a bank account when you moved and you didn't know there was money there or You know, all kinds of reasons that there could be unclaimed money in your name. And they know who it belongs to. These agencies know who it belongs to, but you actually have to claim it. You have to submit a form and say, hey, I think this is mine. I'm Robert Lee Rose III in Pflugerville, Texas, and I think that this $700 belongs to me. And then they verify the identity and they release the unclaimed money to you. The kingdom of God has an inheritance for kingdom people. It's your inheritance. It's got your name on it. But you still got to claim it. The price has already been paid for your inheritance. God God has given it to you freely, but there's still this, this process of understanding that that inheritance has my name on it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were seated with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." Now you'll notice several times in this text, it talks about inheritance, but always points to the praise of his glory. So the inheritance isn't about making you rich and a fat cat 
on Ninth Avenue. The inheritance I'm talking about is for the praise of his glory. Not the comfort of your bank account. Not for the status of your soul. But for his glory. Legacy through inheritance. And I, I just wonder how many of us are trying to create legacies that are are built on just the things that we can carry rather than established on the inheritance that God has already brought to the table for us. Do do you see how it multiplies? If I take the inheritance from heaven and then I add that inheritance to the legacy that God is building in my life, suddenly it's backed by a bunch more than what Trey can provide. I mean, I'm I'm smart. I'm talented. My wife thinks I'm good-looking. But the inheritance of God outwins any asset I bring to the table each and every time. Why would I want to establish a legacy without the inheritance that Jesus has already provided for us? I listed in the beginning, I don't know, 20 things that I just were stones. I, I call them stones to set up a memorial of things that I can point back to to see how God has used this church. You know, there, maybe there are seasons or times where I, I'm in prayer and I'm like, okay, God, I just need you to remind me, why am I doing this? Why am I laying my life down? Why, why is my family sacrificing for this? Why are these other families sacrificing for this? What are you doing, God? What's happening here? You know, you've had those prayers too. Maybe not for the church, but for your own situations. And it's just good to have those stones that you go back to and you say, you're laying your life down because... This changed a life, and this changed a life, and this changed a life. We, we see this exact story play out in the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, and they're about to go into the promised land. Get a visual of this. About to go into the promised land. And it says, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan and from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan. So they're going to be crossing the Jordan. They're sending the ark of the covenant. And he says, let... The number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign. So you're going to take a stone. The priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. The waters are parted. We're crossing over Jordan. And where the priests are holding the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to find stones, 12 of them, big stones. Carry the stones out of the Jordan and go put them where you're going to sleep tonight. And then we see later in verse 19, the people came up out of the Jordan And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, you remember the stones they just carried out from the the riverbed of the Jordan. Those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
that is a perfect picture of legacy through inheritance. I have nothing to leave on my own. It's all through Jesus. The promised land that I ever step into will only be because I was able to walk on stones that I could have never dried myself. God allowed you and I to cross over the Jordan, to get to the places that he wants us to be. And he's asking us, in those moments where you feel like he's not going to show up, in those moments where you feel like he's forsaken you or he's forgotten about you, while you're standing there, the presence of God is holding the water back. Go ahead and just gather some stones. Because there's going to be a place where you're going to lay your head down tonight. And then let's just build a memorial to what the Lord has done. And as we enter into the promised land, we are able to offer a legacy, not in our own strength, but because there were stones that we could not dry ourselves. I just don't want you to leave any unclaimed funds in your account with your name on it. I've been saying for a while now that Jesus didn't come just so that you could get right. He came so that you could be well. That's part of our inheritance. Some of us in the room watching online were living in fear. Maybe fear of financial. Maybe this offering has even triggered a little bit of financial fear in your life this week. As you're preparing your gift, what does the future hold? What, how is God going to sustain me? How is he going to provide for me? Some of us here today are living in rejection. There's just a, a spirit of rejection that hover, hovers over our family and we... We just listen to everything anyone says about us and we see it through the lens of they're rejecting me. But it's really our issue, it's not theirs. Being well means the spirit of rejection has to go from your life. There are some of us walking in anger, some of us walking in insecurity, some of us walking in control. In our inheritance, there is a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense. There is coming a day where either I die or Jesus returns on the cloud and he snatches me up and takes me home and there is an inheritance waiting for me on the other side. For you as well, if you said yes to Jesus, the moment you said yes to Jesus, there is a future inheritance that is already laid up for you. There's a past inheritance as well. The moment you said yes to Jesus, God said, I will never again hold your sin against you. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter how the, the shortcomings are so crazy in your life and we're a work in progress. But the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, there is a past inheritance that you immediately grabbed a hold of. And it's called righteousness. You're righteous not because of how you act or what you do, how you work for the Lord, how much you give, how much you serve. Though we need more people to serve. Our righteousness is only through Jesus. All the world religions say that you've got to do certain things to earn a better eternity. You've got to act a certain way. You've got to perform for a certain God to create an outcome for later on. Christianity is the only religion that says we don't have to work for it. The work has already been done. We don't have to work to get to God. God worked to get to us. He spent all that he had to build a bridge to humanity, you and I. The work has already been complete. So your inheritance is not about how well you perform. 
that's good news. Maybe for a few of us in the room, we, we have this anxiety about performing well for God. You're called unto good works. Of course you are. And the longer you're saved, the more you start to look like Jesus. I'm all about transformation and regeneration of believers and saints. You should more, look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. But your inheritance doesn't depend on that. Your inheritance depends on what God has already established for you. So walking in freedom, walking in joy, walking in security, walking in all the things that God has for you, living well is your inheritance. And that's why I ask you today, don't give a legacy offering until you first acknowledge the inheritance that you have. Because if we try to build legacy without walking in our inheritance, here's what we do. We look at our bank account. We imagine what might be reasonable in the moment. And we give that because it's birthed out of fear. Or we give more than God is calling us to give. And we give thousands because we think, that, we think that's what the church needs. But God was saying, no, I, I'm not calling you to that. I'm calling you to, to this number. I'm calling you to give this much, but our pride, we want to get glory and we want to get the accolades for the giving a big check. I'm asking us all, listen to Holy Spirit this morning. Let what we give be birthed through our inheritance, not birthed through fear, not birthed out of pride, not birthed out of competition, not birthed out of trying to prove your worth to God. You can't give enough to get into heaven. Your inheritance has already been settled. So today with this legacy offering, I want you to understand, please understand, it's, it's really not about the money. It's about breaking poverty mindsets. Some of us have unhealthy relationships with money. It's become your comfort, your security, your provider. Some of you, for the first time today, will begin to actually trust God with your finances because your gift will make room for a breakthrough in your heart. Some of us today will fear God more than financial destruction. This is the legacy offering that we're trying to raise today. Heart change in people. You won't get to take your giving statements to heaven. You get to take your hearts so we're using this sacrificial gift, this offering, this moment as a way to surrender something to God in faith so that we are changed inside. So maybe you've already had a conversation with your family on what you want to give today. I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do today. Carrie and I already came prepared. We, we wrote the check and put it in an envelope and smiled and uh, caught our breath and just believed God. We've, we've done all of that. We've had that moment. I want to give you that moment as a family to have that conversation if you need to. So Holy Spirit, will you come? God, let the gifts that begin to circulate in the room and online, would it be birthed through inheritance, understanding that we are, we are sons and daughters of the king. God, don't let, it, don't let us lean on understanding. Don't let us lean on fear. But let us 
give to you freely today? Holy Spirit, how much do you want us to give? those of you that are watching online today, I know that a significant portion of our giving will come through online today. I'm going to ask you that as we prepare to give in the room that you would also give online because our goal today is to count the offering, like on the spot. We're going to count how much we're giving as a church family today in this one service and then we're going to celebrate that in about 15 minutes um, so if you're watching online, if you will go ahead and make your way to Secure, Secure Give app or online, the exchangechurch.org, and you can prepare that gift and you can give. Our E-Kids, are they in the room? Our E-Kids have been preparing their gift. So before we give... We want our e-kids to run up here and give their gift. So when they come in, I want you to celebrate and shout for them. They've been collecting coins and bottles. Uh, hopefully they're coming. That would be anticlimactic. All right. Maybe I can just get anyone with a kid to help us out. Anyone with a background check to help get them in here. Are they coming? All right, let's celebrate, E-Kids. Right here, guys. It's amazing. You're going to put it right there. Awesome. Wow. All of these coins. Wow. And you got to drink. You got to drink a soda too. This is amazing. I can't wait for Sherry Bro to count all of that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be included in the count. But it looks like, what do you think? At least 100. Probably, that's, a, that's huge for little hearts. Guys, it's just so important that we teach our kids to give. That, that is the number one priority. Um, when you have little kids, to teach them to put God first in their finances, that is something, if you learn it as a kid, it will stay with you the rest of your life. If you have to learn it as an adult, it's much harder. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it's so incredible. Um, so please... First of all, any E-Kids volunteers in the room, you're not serving today, but you're in the room, will you just stand to your feet? You have been helping our, our students. Thank you. All right, you may be seated. All right, 
Are you guys ready to give? Are you ready to give? All right, I'm, I'm ready. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a three-minute video, and you can come up to the front here. There are um, wicker baskets you can put your gift in. If you're giving online, feel free to stand to your feet or come down to the barrels as well or come down here. Just do something as an act of faith today. If you're giving on Secure Give, there is a drop-down that you can put, whether it's tithe or legacy offering. Uh, we would like to be able to know what the difference is, so we're actually counting real legacy funds over the next 10 minutes. But we're going to go ahead and uh, start the video. Carrie, why don't you come and pray over offering? I feel like you've got something to say that you want to say to you. Maybe you don't. Well, uh, the Lord was kind of dropping something in my spirit a little earlier, so let's see if I can retrieve it. <laughs> um, I, I was um, praying and, and thinking of, of, the, of the offering today, and, you know, we've been just pushing, let your heart, you know, lead you and all of that. And I felt like the Lord was telling me that someone um, has been questioning the goodness of God and, um, and just kind of like feeling like they've been asking the Lord, what should I give? But they just, their, their heart just hasn't been in it. Hadn't really been feeling it. And, and I just want you to know that that's okay. And the Lord sees that and he knows that. And it's not that there's this disconnect between you and him. I, I really strongly felt like the Lord said, he's going to give you an amount and you're going to give the amount first and then the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God that has been in your life is going to come back to your remembrance after your step of faith. And I was like, what? <laughs> when he was telling me this, I was like, what, Lord? And so I think it's funny that you, you said God has something for you to share. And so I, whoever you are, whoever you are that's been having this conversation with the Lord, he wants you to know that he heard you. And he knows exactly where you're at and that all the, the good feels, all the faithfulness of who God is, all of that's going to come back just by your act of faith. And so I just want to bless you with that and encourage that. Can I just pray over Wait, that real I, quick? Let me just jump on that. Sure. I want to make sure that you guys hear what she's saying. She's not saying that you give to get the presence of God in your life. Right. That's not what she's saying. Yeah. She's saying that your step of faith is going to open the doorway for you to perceive what God has already been doing in your life. Does that make sense? Yes. I, our gifts, when we when we step out in faith, it's amazing how, um, you know, the Bible says you can serve one of two masters, God or you would think Satan. Yeah. It doesn't say Satan. Satan is not the number two. It's God or money. And so when we are sending our money to a place. We're also sending our heart there. So it just makes room for yes. us spiritually. So I'm yes. so excited about the word yeah, that you're giving. It's, it's somebody very specific that I just felt so strongly that, that they've been having this dialogue with the Lord back and forth. And um, I'm actually very excited for you, whoever awesome. you are. So share it with me if you feel brave enough. I would love to hear like what God is going to do in your heart. So I think it's going to be incredible. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to pray. Yeah. And then we're going to spend three minutes giving. You can give online or you can give here at the barrels. If you're watching online, yes. please go ahead and, and get that in as soon as yeah. you can because we want to include you in the count. You're part of our family as well. We're going to pray, give. Then we're going to come back and worship and talk for a few more minutes while they're counting. Yeah. 
and then we'll share the total. Let's pray. All right, Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for the gift, the opportunity that we are given to give. What a gift that we get to give back to the one who has given us everything. Everything we could ever need, want, or desire comes from you. Every good gift comes from you, God. And what an incredible opportunity we have to give to the gifter. And so, Father, we just don't take that for granted this morning. We ask you to bless every gift. Father, I just pray that you would just touch every heart here today, Lord, that you would just renew them, refresh them, encourage them. Father, I thank you for the faith that is being stirred in this room. I thank you for the faith that you have stirred in my heart the last few weeks. I'm so grateful. I'm so very grateful for your faithfulness, God. And so we give every gift to you. We ask you to use it for your kingdom, for your glory, Father. Help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give. church we see 12 years ago and it was before we had ever even moved to Austin we were living in a college station I, I was born and raised here you, you guys know our story maybe and I met my wife here Carrie and um, she saw me the first time and said she couldn't live without me and That's my version. Anyway, we moved to San Antonio where I was in the Air Force for four years and we had our babies and military hospital, the second one anyway, and then moved to College Station where actually many of you in the room, our, our paths crossed because of College Station. Some of you have moved here or we met you there. Um, you have family there. It's amazing how God just starts to build things years before things, before it's even established. You know, he just, there are seeds planted down that roots then begin to get tangled together. And you don't realize he's, he's crafting this beautiful tapestry of people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all, you know, philosophies and, and frameworks. And in 2010, we knew that it was time God was sending us to launch a church, the Exchange Church, Austin, Texas. And you know, we didn't want to come to Austin because we had kind of grown up here. I was born here. Carrie was here since the age of 12. I felt like the Lord was really breathing on Colorado because I like to snow ski. I felt like surely there were a lot of lost people in Colorado. 
And then the leader in me wanted Oregon so bad because Oregon is, yeah, the least church. I just feel this emotion welling up. It's the least church, our least church state in America. It was in 2010. I don't know what is now, but it's just, you know, whatever is the, the biggest job, I felt like God was calling me to that. I just had it in me. And we wrote the church that we see, and we haven't hit all of these benchmarks. We're not accomplishing all of this stuff. 12 years in, we're still not the church that God showed us in 2010. But man, I just see so many stones here that God has been building a memorial to what he showed us in 2010, how it's coming together and he's establishing it and it's being rooted for this area. And I just want to read it to you. We see a church that is intensely kingdom focused. The church we see is a thriving church of influence. It is revolutionizing the world's perspective of church impacting entire cities, states, and nations, a church hardly able to contain its growth. We see a church that hell simply cannot ignore. The church we see has a message so captivating and clear that lives are forever changed. We see a church where every believer is unashamed of the gospel and is daily inviting others to attend. The church we see is leaving a legacy it is committed to training and mentoring the next generation of leaders. It is building the kingdom by launching churches around the world, leading thousands of people online, and establishing schools and orphanages in other nations. The church we see is diversified with every race, every age, and every socioeconomic level known to man. Diversity is its freedom, not limitation able to function in unity and complexity, capable of unlimited growth. We see a church that worships God in spirit and in truth. The church we see is so passionate about worship that it can't help but awaken onlookers that are far from Christ. Their hearts are moved and they realize their need for a savior. The church we see understands that the fullness of worship is created not only through our music, but also through our obedience, through our stewardship, through our serving and our lifestyle. A church so consistent and unified with worship, it has gained God's attention. And he responds with the daily commands of blessing, favor, increase, restoration, healing, and supernatural provision. We see a church that is life-giving. We see thousands of people that have been set free encouraged, healed, challenged, delivered, and forever changed by encountering God's unmistakable, undeniable, unquenchable presence. It is filled with people that entered broken, were confronted with the power of the gospel, and without hesitation made the exchange. It is overflowing with people that are still broken, far from Christ, still wrestling with their own will, their past, their addictions, their inconsistencies, their fears, their desires. Yet our patient and loving God is drawing them to himself and they too are about to make the exchange. We see a church that is vibrant, positive, and friendly. It has a quality that cannot be defined or put into words, but everyone that enters immediately feels accepted 
and part of the family. The church we see is invading impossible situations and finding creative, spirit-led solutions to bring justice across the street and around the world. We see a church where every believer is committed to the work of the ministry. It refuses to sit on the sidelines and insists that it will give and not just take and make serving in the church a priority since it is God's established and chosen mode of reaching the world. Get out of tissue. Thank you. We see a church that is dependent on God's direction, power, and provision. We see a church that is on its face before God day and night counting the cost and ready to pay any price to see revival and restoration sweep this land. It daily bathes ministry in prayer and knows that every good work and accomplishment is in him, through him, for him, and by him. We see a church where divine miracles and the wonders of God are spoken of, experienced, and celebrated. Yes, the church that we see is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are continually praying for the breadth and the depth of the fullness of God. We see a place where purpose is awakened and developed. The church we see is the Exchange Church. And I didn't see this 12 years ago, but God did. He allowed this to flow out of our spirit to paint a picture for what was to come. And listen, we're doing a great thing. You're building a great thing. You're building a great life. You're building a great church. You're building great influence. But you're not just building something. You're standing on something. You're standing on inheritance. So as our legacy offering is being counted, can we just stand and worship? Can we just thank God for this moment to honor him? through this legacy giving.
have a legacy total? Does anyone want to hear it? <laughs> uh, I have tingles on my body right now. Look at that. That's amazing. You kids. <laughs> First of all, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for your faith. And online, our online totals are still coming in. So we hope that this is going to increase. But uh, the faith in the room has just been tremendous today. And so the amount that is brought in that you gave for Legacy Sunday, for Steps of Faith, do you want me to say it? You can't see it. $59,633.73. So incredible. Thank you, Jesus. That is amazing. That is amazing. Come on, celebrate. listed many of the things that we do to, to help the community and to love on people, but we also have a lease that's expiring in a year and a half or two years, so we need another plan. We need another building. We need somewhere to be permanent, a place that we can call home, a place that we can have grass and picnics and just hang out. And um, So help us look. Keep your eyes look. open. Be praying. More than ever, we need your prayer wrapped around this because prayer makes things happen. That's right. That's so right. So please pray, pray, pray with us about this. God has a place already. He already knows. He already knows where. He's got it all planned out already. We just need to be aware, open, hearing, listening, watching, praying. Yeah. So pray with us. Yeah. Uh, Father, we come before you today. Thank you so much for Legacy Sunday and the opportunity just to uh, step into the flow of big faith. God, it just feels so so good. It's, it's scary and it's exhilarating all at once. And God, I just thank you, God, that you've, you've established a church, you've built a people who love to move in faith. God, I ask that you would go with us this week and not, not let this moment of faith end here today, but God, stir our faith in relationships, that we will treat our spouse differently today, that we will treat our kids differently today, that we will, God, just go to the work environment this week and it's going to be a noticeable difference because we've operated in faith here today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Now that you've been to church, go be the church.